you cannot teach attitude and drive. And that's something I really look for. When I build my team, you want someone that will be able to be with you the 60, 70, 80 hours a week and have a smile on their face and be a good team player. Hey everyone, welcome to Call Sheet, a podcast about film production and the boots on the ground work of Below the Line crew. If you work in physical production in any department, this show's for you. Thanks so much for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk about the path from PA to AD. Once again, we're your hosts, Bryce Sirier and Kiku Terasaki. What's up, Kiku? Hey, Bryce. You know, some of our younger listeners out there might think that there seem to be countless ways into a career in film production. Honestly, it can be difficult to determine which path is right. I remember grappling with the same thing at the beginning of my own career. I'm stoked for a conversation today because our guest is a perfect example of one trajectory, the path from PA to AD. Her name is Katie Velosin, a DGA second assistant director. She's going to give us some essential skills and attributes for PAs and ADs, and honestly, anyone in any department who's trying to build their career on set. I'm also excited to hear Katie break down some of her primary tasks and responsibilities as a second AD and share some best practices that she's learned for leading her team effectively. So last year, Katie was the second AD on the Greta Gerwig feature Little Women uh, and then on the Stephen King Hulu series Castle Rock, all shot in Massachusetts. But she's also worked in New York City, uh, including setting hundreds of background extras in Times Square. Her second AD teams have been tasked with looking after actors as diverse in age and awards as Meryl Streep and Saoirse Ronan, first on a period feature and then moving on to the daily press and hustle of a series production, all the while being the communication hub between the set and all the departments. And she's done this all very successfully as a young woman in the biz. So I'll be very interested to hear what she has to tell us about that path. Welcome. Thank you. We're really excited to have you with us, Katie. Thanks so much. We would love to start by just hearing your story. How did you first get started in the business and what were some key career moments that helped you work your way up through the ranks? Yeah, I think um, my love of film started uh, when I was nine and when I picked up my parents' VHS camcorder and I decided to just start making movies. But then so when I came time for college, I only applied to film schools. I mean, I knew that I only wanted to work in film and there was no backup plan and and that was that. So I found Chapman and I, I had an amazing experience. Um, I really, really love film school. I really, really love Chapman. And when I graduated, I was working for a company you know, I was just a production assistant there helping out around the office. It wasn't really where I wanted to be. I wanted to be on set, but it was a paid job after college. So I worked there and then I got a call from one of my professors and mentors, Jeff Phillips. And he said, Hey, I'm working on a movie. Can you be in Alabama in two weeks? And I said, yes. (laughs) So I never looked back. So I went to Alabama. I was a PA there it was awesome. It was really, really good experience. I met amazing people that I still talk to today. And one of my friends said, well, I know this UPM in Boston. And at the time I still was living in LA, uh, but I was like, yeah, I'll I'll go interview for this job. Um, And I met a really great group of people in Boston, worked for The Makeover with Julia Stiles. 
And from there, I got a call to work on American Hustle um, on a staff position as a base camp PA and interviewed for it. And I got it. And then on that film was where I really, really learned you know, all the ins and outs. I mean, I was working for David O. Russell. It was super hard show, um, you know, period movie. And yeah, that was kind of like the turning point as far as what brought me back to Boston and what brought me to realize that, okay, I'm going to join the guild and I'm going to, you know, work my way up as an AD. And I, you know, looking back, I wouldn't change a thing. So how do you describe your role as second AD? Yeah, I would say as far as what an AD is in general, I mean, I would definitely say in features in particular, you know, you have your director as the creative captain, the ADs or managerial and logistical captains alongside the director. I mean, you're helping the director get what he needs or she needs out of what they want for the story. So you're helping them get what they want. And you're also liaising with production and, and producers and making sure we're not spending a ton of money. So you kind of ride that line between, you know, creative and the business of making a film. That's awesome. So with that in mind, Katie, we'd love to kind of walk with you on your journey from PA to AD. Some of our younger listeners might not know all the different types of PA roles and responsibilities on set. If you could do a quick breakdown for us, uh, an overview of, of the various PA positions. So usually your PA staff is made out of, um, you know, you have your key PA, you have your first team PA, you have your background PA, you have your walkie PA, and your base camp PA. So your key PA sees over all of the all of the PAs, and he works very closely with the second second. And then you have your first team PA who deals very closely with cast, all what they need and everything like that. And what we call cast on set is first team. So when they say ready for first team, that means get the cast. <laughs> and uh, your background PA is working closely with getting the background ready. Sometimes setting the background, it really depends on, you know, how the structure works. And your walkie PA, uh, which is a very important job and probably one that you'll start with as kind of your first staff position is, you know, you're in charge of all the walkies and making sure everyone has walkies. There's walkies in picture cars when you have a picture car driving by, if there's an actor in it, anything like that. Making sure all the distro, all the packages and anything that comes from the office is handed out to set anything like that. And then your base camp PA, you're at base camp, which is where all the trailers are. You're working very closely with your second AD, dealing with hair and makeup, wardrobe. You're the kind of the beginning of when the cast gets to set, they go to base camp first, they get ready, they get their sides, their scripts for the day, what they're shooting, all that stuff. And you're inviting them to set when, when called by the first. The base camp PA was where I, I kind of started. And it's a very difficult role and, and you have a lot of responsibility. And I think I, I enjoyed that a lot. I like having a lot of responsibility. I enjoyed being in charge of a lot of things. That's great. So from your perspective, what are some key attributes and skills that PAs need to have in order to be successful? Yeah, I would say you've got to be organized. Uh, there's so much going on all the time. I always just have a little notebook. I write everything down. You know, I make a million to-do lists, million lists, or print out emails just so I don't forget to respond to stuff because the influx of information that happens on a daily basis is constant. Um, I think you need to be calm as much as you can. Sets are very, very stressful. Everyone's on high alert. You know, people are getting very little sleep a lot of the time, so tensions are high. 
But you have to kind of take a step back and look at operational efficiency, you know, and and see what is the best way to tackle this problem. Um, I think something else that is is very good um, for anyone to have really is, is empathy and understanding. Since you deal with so many different departments that you know, or at least understand what they're doing and trying to do. You know, I can't do what every crew member does. That's that's why they're there. You know, they are that skilled craftsman that's doing that job, but you need to have some sort of understanding of how long it's going to take to make this costume or how long it's going to take to get this set built. Because when you do know what it takes, you do know when you can push in the, in the right instances. So Base Camp PA is kind of a, a very good conduit to second AD. Yes. Uh, for those reasons that you're dealing with all the departments How did you learn to know how to ask, when to ask, and who to ask? A lot of trial and error sometimes. I mean, when you when you screw up, you know it and you know, you won't do it again. So, you know, if you go into the trailer too much and ask for an estimate, hair and makeup will get annoyed, cast will get annoyed. Like you don't want to be hovering, but also in your ear, in your walkie, the first is probably saying, like, we need cast on set right now. Like we need them now. So you have to know to diffuse in one ear someone saying something to you, and then what comes out of your mouth to the cast member or, or her makeup or whoever it is or anything anyone back in base camp because everything starts in base camp. So if you have an actor that's upset or stressed or anything, and then they go to set, it's going to be even worse. So try to keep it as cool and as calm there as possible. Even if someone is yelling in your ear, because that happens a lot, you have to be as calm as possible. You know, just adaptability as far as you know, everything changes constantly. So you really have to be on your toes and just be ready to like pivot. Especially in the assistant director department, you need to be a people person. You deal with people every day. You're dealing with so many different personalities. You need to be able to read people and know when to push, when to stay back, when's not a good time to talk to someone. You really have to read the room. It's very important. I love that you mentioned the value of making mistakes and then learning from them. Is there something that comes to mind, a mistake you made or a mistake someone else made that really taught you an important lesson? I can't think of a specific time, but I think something that I've learned by making that mistake, especially becoming an AD, is, is always following up as far as making sure your crew member got that email you sent or that text you sent or that call time or something like that. Because there's times where I didn't follow up and they never saw it. And then, you know, something happened. With this day and age, you know, we text so much, email so much. If I don't get a thumbs up that you got that call time, I'm probably going to call you or text you or something. Just making sure. You just don't want the next day so-and-so is late for their pickup and, you know, we're waiting on them or whatever because they never saw that text. You just got to make sure they got it. <laughs> totally. You know, we've all been there. That's great advice. So I'd love to transition back into your role as second AD. You gave us kind of the high-level description earlier. Let's get into the nitty-gritty of it. What are some of the primary tasks and responsibilities you have as a second AD? The key second AD, your main task is creating a call sheet for everyone. Um, So that is, if you're not familiar with it, a document that has the actor's call times, crew call times, what you're shooting, the weather what you're shooting the next day, all that information. So is in one document. You're responsible for finding all that information and putting it in. Um, you're dealing with the cast. You're giving them call times. You're dealing with hair and makeup as far as who can be in and at what time. 
you're dealing with the crew call times and if anyone needs pre-calls, if there's a load in, if you have a big crane you're dealing with, anything like that, as well as helping your first and your second second who are on set most of the time deal with the logistics day to day. Can you tell us about the production report? What are some best practices that you've learned over the years for filling that report out every day? Yep. Sometimes it's different uh, on every show and how you structure your AD team. But uh, on my teams, my second second does the PR at the end of the night. And usually uh, I have my base camp PA prep it. So prepping a PR means, you know, changing the date and how many shots you've completed, how many pages you've completed, what scenes you've completed, putting all the in times for all the crew members that are there that day on the back, ins and outs of cast time. So everything that was on the exhibit G which is a document for SAG. You're getting camera reports, which camera shot, how much footage they shot, you know, making sure it's in a good spot. So when the second second gets it at the end of the night, he can send it, you know, right away. And when I was a second second, I did not like to go home and do it. I wanted to do it before I got home. So I would stay, even if I was doing it in my car, I didn't want it not to be done. And then he sent it off to the office and yeah, and then there'll be edits and mistakes and problems. And, you know, you usually try to have, you know, I, I definitely try to have a, a great relationship with the production office because, you know, there's uh, a big asset to you. They can help you with so much. They do so much. I mean, it's it's just, you know, definitely one of my big advice to, to anyone is, I mean, to be nice to everyone on the crew because you never know who can help you in the future or, you know, it's all word of mouth. So you, you really want to respect every crew member um, and especially the office too. You know, they're the ones printing up the sides, delivering all the stuff to set and getting stuff done that you need. So having a good relationship with the office, I think is, is super important. And that's something I always try to do. Can you also touch on managing background performers? I know that's another key element of the second AD's job. Yeah. Another document is the background breakdown, which for every day, you look at the schedule and what you're shooting that day. And if you need background, you know, you talk with the first on, on creatively what you think, how many people you want, because you, you'll ask for the moon and then you'll get, you know, cut down because it's all money. And then you try to make the best of how much you're budgeted what you're told you can do, then you have to get creative sometimes because maybe there was a scene down a street that you really needed a hundred people for, but they're only going to give you 50. So you got to get creative as far as, you know, you're looping people around, you're crossing them in front, but then they're going to walk that way. You know, and that's a lot of the fun of it too, is actually, you know, getting on set and making it work. Especially as a PA, when I was a background PA, I learned from one of my good friends, Tim Blockberger, he, you know, just showed me how to set background quickly because he's he said the one thing you don't want to do is if everyone says like it's background ready you got to say yes because they don't you don't want them to wait on you you don't want you know and sometimes you're not ready I'll tell you that but but there there is definitely a it, it's hard to you know do it well and you're talking to props usually props a lot because they they know what they can give you something for the background to do or uh there's a lot of really really creative first and second seconds out there that it's great when you love it because that's when I think it looks the best because that's when everyone's excited about it. And you're actually creating, you know, a scene, you know, it's not just a cross. It's not just in the background or we need something because it's dead back there. Like you're making part of the movie. Shout out to my, my second second on uh, little women, Sean Yopchik. He did some really, really great work on uh, little women and our first Jonas, Bakaratelli. Uh, the background just looked really, really good in there. So 
that's the funnest thing I enjoyed about being a second second, I think was just creating those moments. Uh, on Detroit, uh, Catherine Bigelow's Detroit, um, we did this really, really cool shot. The streets were closed. We were shooting at night. She had kind of set up all these little vignettes of, you know, we had cops beating guys. We had firemen on top of the fire truck. We had all this stuff. And it, it was a one-er uh, on a rickshaw. And the actors are like running through all this stuff. Everything's crazy. Everything's like happening around you. When we practiced, we did a rehearsal of it. It was just like, you felt like you were there. Like you were in Detroit in the 1950s. Like it was insane. And it was so, that to me is always the funnest part. It's very magical. Do you ever get input directly from on the one side, the producer UPM or the other side, the director on these issues of what they're looking for in terms of background? Yes, because usually on one side, you know, your UPM line producer is saying, cut the numbers. And then your director, you know, he's like, I want the room to be filled. So, you know, that's where we come in and we say, okay, that's going to be 350 people. And then we go to the UPM and we say, we need 350 people. And then they're like, well, okay, you can have 100. And that's something that I think as a good AD, you can cross the line between both creative and, and, and money because you, you have to, because you're not going to make money on the film if you spend all the money in the world. One of my favorite quotes is the Orson Welles quote, the absence of limitation is the enemy of art. It's always been something that I think of. And any time that you have limitation on set, I remember that you have to get creative. Um, and I think some of the best moments have been instances where you are limited and you just have to make it work. And yeah, totally. I see vast differences between working on features and series television. You want to talk about that? Because I think um, yeah. our listeners will be interested. Yeah. So as an AD, I mean, the, the big differences, I would say, between TV and features, I mean, TV, there's alternating ADs. So I did the even episodes. The cool thing about that is you weren't always shooting. I would get probably about two weeks of prep, then we shoot for two weeks, two weeks of prep, shoot for two weeks. And that with features, you prep first and then you shoot. You prep for longer than you would on an episodic, but then you shoot. There's no going back. Once you're shooting, you're shooting. At TV, you're usually shooting at least eight pages a day. Feature, you're probably shooting two to three. It gives a little more time to breathe, to create these scenes. That's awesome. Katie, this has really been a crash course for anyone starting out in the business. So many insights, so helpful. Thank you so much. We've, we've reached the point on the show where we do our Abby Singer moment. It's an opportunity for our guests to share a story, a joke, some sort of lesson learned from the front lines of their work. Do you have anything to share with us today, Katie? Sure. I'll, um, I'll share a little story uh, from Little Women, which I think is something that's quite funny. Um, so we were in the Harvard Arboretum outside of Boston. We were playing it as Paris. This was supposed to be Paris. So... We had Meryl Streep and Florence Pugh in a carriage, and it was a kind of chilly day. So I think Meryl turns to Florence and is like, you know, really kills for some fries right now. And then our first Jonas heard this and said over the walkie, like, we, we got to get some fries. But Meryl didn't know this was happening. So Chip Hamilton... Uh, one of our PA extraordinaires then shows up probably about 10 minutes later with a bag of fries from Wendy's for Meryl Streep. 
And she was so happy. And Florence was so happy. And they were so happy with their fries. We just laughed about it. because here And here they are in their period clothes, having Wendy's in the carriage. And it was just a fun little experience. And I think it's just, you know, never underestimate what production assistants can do for you. Just try to keep the crew happy and the morale up and, you know, that everyone's willing to do, you know, whatever you need to do. And anyway, who else could say that they provided French fries to Meryl Streep? Exactly. You know, put that on your resume. Exactly. Katie, before we close, any parting words of advice or, or words of wisdom for our listeners who are out there working their way up in the industry? When I build my team, I look for people who are excited. I think the one that you cannot teach attitude and drive, and that's something I really look for naturally and someone that I'm hiring because I would rather hire a green PA who wants to be there than someone who knows everything and is jaded. You know, you're dealing with different people. You got lockups on the streets, you got neighbors. You want someone that will be able to be with you the 60, 70, 80 hours a week and have a smile on their face and be a good team player. Well, guys, this has been such a great conversation. Katie, thank you so much for joining us and taking the time. I know there are so many aspects of your job that we can discuss in greater detail. So we look forward to having you back on a future episode. Yeah, well, thank you guys so much for having me. It was really fun. And that's Taillights on another episode of Call Sheet. This show is brought to you by Elgin Entertainment. It is produced and hosted by Kiku Terasaki and me, Bryce Sirier, with support from our associate producer, Nathaniel Duber. I'm also the editor of the show, and our theme music is by Robert Mai. Our guest today was Katie Velosin. We talked about her path from PA to second AD and some of the essential skills and attributes she's learned to help any production person move up in the ranks. Thanks again, listeners, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode and keep coming back for more. Now, if you'd be so kind, please share the show with a friend or a colleague and take just one minute to leave us a review in whatever podcast app you use. We really appreciate your feedback and support. It helps us grow the show and improve the way we can serve you. On that note, if you want to suggest a topic that you'd like to hear discussed in a future episode, please send it in. You can email us at callsheetpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at callsheetshow. You should also check out our website for the latest content and news. That's callsheetshow.com. There are links to all of that and more in this episode's show notes, so be sure to check those out. Remember to stay tuned for new episodes of Call Sheet every Thursday morning. And in the meantime, good luck and go make it happen.